select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Everybody. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, everyone in the New York area should be very familiar with, Alan Hahn. Alan, how you doing today? Good, Will. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. We're, uh, you know, getting into getting the game week here, and, you know, summer's coming to an end, but NFL football is coming back, and, uh, you know, can't, can't complain too much. So, uh, no, exciting. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, I think a lot of people saw your, your Twitter thread this morning and we'll kind of start there from a Jets perspective, um, kind of a little bit on Zach Wilson. What's your impression of Zach so far? And uh, what are you maybe most excited about to watch, uh, watch come up week one here? I, I mean, it, as, the, as I said in the Twitter thread, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm older than you. So I go back, way back, like the first jersey I ever got, like any sport was a Jets jersey, and it was Richard Todd. So we're talking about, you know, I think about 1980. And, you know, that team, you know, the following year, or that, that season, they, they got to the AFC Championship game, the Mud Bowl, and, you know, we don't want to talk about that. But, you know, Richard Todd was considered like, okay, Alabama quarterback, you know, he's taking over now for Joe Namath. The, the team had finally moved on from Joe Namath, and, and Richard Todd was sort of his understudy. So this was going to be Richard Todd was the, the the franchise quarterback of the future. So I start with that reference. So, you know, after the mud bowl, it's like, all right, this is not the guy. And then there's Ken O'Brien. You know, it just felt like we kept looking for the next guy after Joe Namath. And you just never felt like they were ever getting that guy. So when I, when, when I see, you know, and I was really into Sam Darnold. Like I, I was excited about Sam. I'd followed him for two years in college. I love Josh Allen too, but when Sam was available, I got excited. Like, all right, this guy's legit. He's a really good quarterback. People really think he's going to be good. So I was buying into that. They didn't do a good job, obviously, with him. So now that I'm hearing things, as I said in the Twitter feed, I mean, this is not, you know, Brian Costello and Rich Samini. You know, th- this is, you know, I have nothing against them, but those are reporters that are covering the team. And sometimes reporters, you know, you hype up whoever the next guy is. You spend a lot of time talking about them. This is like people who are experts, who know the sport, who are just raving about what they saw and what they see in potential in Zach Wilson. You're talking about, you know, guys like Phil Sims won a Super Bowl. Chris Collinsworth, same thing. Uh, Tony Romo, who really has a great eye for talent and quarterbacks and everything else. Um, Teddy Bruschi, who should just inherently hate the Jets, has raved no about call, him. No one fact, caught me off guard. I got to be honest. You know, I've expected the other yeah, ones. He, he, I was like, Bruschi's been said a nice thing at the Jets since the early 90s. Ever. Yeah, ever. So, you know, you have, you have him call, saying he thinks he's going to be the AFC rookie, uh, offensive rookie of the year. You know, that's his pick. So all that stuff mashed together. Uh, even Aaron Rodgers, you know, take note, take, took note from the couple of days of practice and said, I'm really excited about this kid. I, I want to see what he can do. So I put all that together and I say to myself, should I buy into this? Should I start believing this? I've watched, I watched preseason. I watched him. You know, you didn't see a lot. It's preseason. I'm again old enough to remember when Browning Nagel was throwing darts in preseason and was 5-0 and and then 
the regular season started and he won four games. So, you know, I've, I'm, I have all that reference. So I, when you ask me like, what do I see? How do I feel? I don't know. I honestly don't know how to feel about this because it's too soon to the hype about Sam and Sam's first throw was a pick six and then he won the game and looked great. And then mono happened and everything else happened after that. So with Zach Wilson, I'll say this. They must have something in him. They must. But he's small. I've met him in person. I've seen him. I could see he's not a big guy. They had better build an offensive line around him to the likes of what they had when they had Brick and they had Nick Mangold and they had Alan Fanica and they had Damian Woody. Like they had a great offensive line for Mark Sanchez early on. That's what they need. Obviously, they have, they have you know, Moses. They've got uh, obviously Becton, uh, uh, Vera Tucker. They've rebuilt the offensive line. They need to make sure they protect this kid because if he is protected, everybody says he's got the talent to be really good. If they can protect him, that's great. My fear now with him is that because he's so small, is will he be able to withstand when he does get hit? And or he, you know, will he be a guy that we find, you know, is a bit fragile and, you know, is going to end up getting hurt a lot. I just think that's what I feel. Offensive line now to me is going to be the thing that I'm watching the closest. They had better protect this kid because it seems like they've got somebody that's got a lot of arm talent. So I'm excited, but it's typical Jets fan, cautiously optimistic. I mean, honestly, that's, I feel like that's the most unbiased take you could give is just being like I, the excitement's great and something I've noticed is just the amount of personalities um, that played the game that have a great eye I know Marcus Spears I tweeted out before I'd mentioned on first take he's like he'll be the second best quarterback in the division by week five and, yes and you look at guys <laughs> Orlovsky loves them and um, I know Barry yep. likes him a lot and, and there's a lot of different factors there and a lot of all the people you mentioned as well Chris Sims had him above Trevor Lawrence in the pre-draft process right. and so there's all these different variables and I mean I've been in practice I've met him I mean I've met him I've been next to him and I, I agree with him in terms of size I think he's bigger than I thought but still he has a long way to go in terms of building out his body in terms of a kind of in the gym right. type of a, aspect which yep. is important so yeah I mean look I was all in on Sam and so I took my lumps there and I, I'm kind of scarred a little bit but at the same time I can't help but get excited just because I feel like so much negative press has surrounded the team for so long since you know since probably since 2011 it's just weird I know you just mentioned that 09 2010 offensive line I wish you had Zach Wilson on those teams that would have been oh, uh, that could have been interesting um, but yeah. uh no no it, and, and I think you know, having, that. no but I mean but you can you can replicate it you can and, yeah. and I mean you think about it what, what did they do? They drafted Brick. They drafted Mangold in the first round together. Well, they drafted Becton, and they drafted Vera Tucker. I think Vera Tucker is going to be very good. He was a highly rated uh, uh, lineman that everybody talked about and wanted, and they were able to get him. So, all right, so you draft two, and now you got to sign some guys. And, and obviously, you know, Moses, that's a great addition on the right side. You know, you've got to make those additions uh, through free agency and, and – and, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's one thing Joe Douglas certainly would know is the line. I mean, he think about the places that he's been in his uh, front office experience, right? Baltimore, that's all they've been about is building up strong line. And then the Eagles, when they were, when they won their Super Bowl, that, that offensive line was a big part of it. When that offensive oh, yeah, line got 100%. hurt and fell apart, Carson Wentz is, you know, completely disintegrated. So th that's all you can hope for is that's what comes of this is Joe Douglas knows what he's doing, which I, I think he's proving he does. 
and knows that they've got to build that thing up. And if you give this kid time, as the experts are saying, he can be special. You get, you know, you get the tight end situation locked up. I think it's interesting what moves they made with the tight end situation. And then the wide receivers. I mean, Corey Davis always seems to have, uh, you know, a bit of chemistry with him. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I don't expect it to be an overnight thing. I do expect it to take some time. But maybe for the first time in such a long time, I, I do like where this is headed. And I'm ready to sit back. It's almost like the Knicks. I'm ready to sit back and let this thing grow and not expect immediate results. I just want to see tangible results. Like I believe in what I'm looking at and in time, this is going to be special. Yeah. It's something actually I've seen a couple, a few comments, a couple of people on MT and turn the Jets channel. And then a bunch of people on Twitter said that use that Knicks example of going into 2020 with the Knicks. It was like, all right, like, let's see what we have. The young guys obviously have right. overperformed and, you know, it was a great run in the whole nine yards. We don't have to rehash that because obviously it's bad memories for Knicks fans, but <laughs> The actual regular season, if you really look at it, it's a great model for where the Jets are. They've still got a ton of cap space in 2022. They've always draft picks and always different things. But if you can get something out of this year and you leave, I said this, um, you know, earlier this week, if they come out of this year with Zach Wilson being the guy and you feel really good knowing this is where we're headed and Salah, who I'll ask you about here in a second, if you feel really good about the coach, the GM and the quarterback in the NFL, everything else should be much more You're simple right. to kind of figure out it's the Jets issue right. getting coach and quarterback in the same tandem leading me to are you are you and you you know you mentioned a lot of the, the Jets memories and stuff how how in are you on solid because I feel like he's really hard to to not like just all the comments the bravado the swagger all that stuff I I liken this almost to like when when you meet a girl and her previous boyfriend was just like a complete loser like, like, you know, I, I, I might be a seven in real life, but after that guy, I'm a 10. So, <laughs> you know, after two years of Adam Gase and all that stuff and, you know, just Robert Sala, I mean, he doesn't have to do anything and people just love him, right? His energy is great. I've interviewed him. I love his energy, but, you know, there's a, you know, he's genuine. And I think that's such the important part. Like he's not, he's not putting up a front. He's not. Now, I know he's big on platitudes. I know he, he's a guy that, like all football coaches, all coaches in general, though, will speak with those types of platitudes a lot, especially when they speak publicly. But there is something very authentic about him that I felt even before I, I thought he'd be a candidate for the Jets' job. Like, even when he was with the Niners, I liked him. There was, you know, the his sideline demeanor, the way his players absolutely loved playing for him. He's got a little bit of Rex Ryan, but yet – a little bit of I'm trying to think of, you know, I mean, I comped him a little bit. I comped him a little to like Herm, just in the aspect of like the players. Yeah, like, I was going to say Herm. He's a little because, calm, yeah, it's, I it's, guess. The, it's the motivational. It's the motivational players love you, but players loved Rex too. Rex, though, was incredibly bombastic, but he was so energetic. It was, it was infectious. I don't know if the Jets have ever had, though, a coach. You know, I mean, Parcells was, you know, Parcells, but Salah also has this other demeanor about him that just feels like when he's at the podium, you're like, like yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the guy. Like, that's the leader of this place. You know, I mean, you know, Mangini always felt like he was over his head. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, again, like I said, Gase, you know, Todd Bowles, I guess, had a way about him that was more laid back, but firm. Never felt like he was over his head, but he just seemed too vanilla, like too, too um, boring at times. 
um, where some people thought players walked all over, which I, I know for a fact that wasn't true. But still, there's something about Salah that when you see him at the podium, he's very impressive. And I think for the Jets, that's incredibly important. So that's why I like, so, so do I buy in? I absolutely buy in on him because I bought in on him as a defensive coordinator with the Niners. Like, like just looking at it, I was like, yeah, that's a football coach. I like that guy. And his players love him. They respond to him. He gets results. So, so much about him I like, and it's similar in personality to Joe Douglas, who I also feel the same way. When Joe Douglas talks about the Jets publicly, when he talks about his team and his plan, I rarely, I don't think ever have like listened to him and then either cringed or said, you know, along the lines of like, oh, this guy, you know, like, I, I, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or he's full of crap. Like I listen to Joe Douglas talk about the team and his plans and I just go like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. He speaks with conviction. He's pretty confident. Uh, he's, you know, he just handles himself well. He presents well. Everything about him, I, I like him. So I, I, I can't remember the last time I felt that way about the Jets hierarchy. Because it was always something with one of the coaches. It was always something, obviously, coming off Gase. I mean, you'd have to, you'd really have to be a complete moron to not be able to at least look better and sound better than Adam Gase did from his couple of years with the Jets. Yeah, the bar the bar is so low right now that that's why <laughs> like this this enthusiasm and stuff. I think people that aren't Jets fans or don't are in the New York City market and stuff like that maybe take it as oh Jets fans think they're better. No, it's not that. It's that. They've been we Jets fans in general have been through a lot, um, and then you on top of it, like there is a lot of proud moments. There's also a lot of really bad moments, and the problem is that they yep. stack up so much. And then when you finally see something where it's you feel good about, like this offseason, yes, the Carl Lawson thing sucks, and we'll get to it in a second. But yeah, as much as the injury, you can't control that stuff. And yeah, same old Jets, but the same it's not same old Jets because the same old Jets don't take Elijah more. They don't trade up for the offensive lineman and the quarterback or they ride with Sam too long and they don't hire solid. They let him leave and they, you know, they hire, uh, you know, Doug Peterson. Yeah, and then same, it's like same old, right, right. What you're same saying is same, same old jets overthink it. Same old yeah. jets would have traded the two pick and got multiple picks and feel and like, you know, well, we already got the quarterback. We'll get multiple picks and we'll just build out around the quarterback. And then years from now, when Zach Wilson becomes, you know, an MVP, it's like, wow, they traded that pick for Zach Wilson. Like, you know, they, they traded Zach Wilson for a bunch of dra- like, you know, it's like trading Keyshawn Johnson for a couple of a couple of first round picks that were, man, they were all right. But you, you got rid of Keyshawn Johnson. And then what were you look, you know, and then after that you had, you know, Chad Pennington. It's like, ooh, that was that's you know. <laughs> Yeah. Now you need a guy uh, for Chad to throw to. So, you know, there's, there's so much of that, that, you know, I agree with. And I'm, yeah. I was one of the culprits. It's like, cause I like Sam so much. I'm like, ah, maybe they should trade the pick. Maybe they should trade the pick. But after hearing all these experts talk about Wilson and watching Joe find ways, like he just got a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon. A fourth round pick. I've seen. A fourth round pick has value. Like, like I thought, and you know, Bart Scott was saying this, he felt like Zach Ertz might be on the way out of Philly. Now that doesn't sound like it's going to happen, but Bart was right away. Like, yeah, I got a fourth round pick. Now I can get Zach Ertz for that. Like you can yeah. still get a good player with a fourth. And especially when you have multiple picks, like he does. So seeing it operate that way, it shows you like, it's just the overthinking and the, you know, making moves to make a headline like that, that stuff feels like it's in the past. And it's been a long time since I've been able to say that. 
about them, but it's very similar to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are operating like a, like a well-run franchise now after many years of being a joke. So it can be done. And I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping it's being done with the Jets. What's, what's, uh, what's ESPN and, and Fox and, and every, you know, talk show, morning talk show going to do if the Jets and the Browns are both competent? There's, you're kind of left out of teams. Oh, there's to, always someone else to make fun of. Oh, there's yeah. always someone else to make fun of. <laughs> Let's hope the Jets are uh, in the rear view from that perspective. Kind of want to get yes. your quick thoughts here um, from a defensive perspective. I think people are much more excited about the offensive side of the ball. There's some really good defensive players on this team. Um, but it, it's kind of like very Jekyll and Hyde in terms of you have the Mosleys and May and Quinn and Williams and even Sheldon Rankins. And then right. it's like the bottom of the roster is a little less, a little less exciting, especially a corner. Are you concerned right. defensively or are you more so like, I just want to watch them score points and develop and whatever we get out of the defensive side of the ball is gravy. I am concerned defensively because of depth. You mentioned it. I, I do think, cause look, well, what do we learn? And now there's 17 games to play. What we know is you can't overvalue depth. I mean, it's just you can't or, or undervalue it. I don't know which way I go there, but it's depth is so critical on your defense um, because of injuries and also because you just you don't know what your offense like. Is this going to be a light up scoreboard offense? And you can kind of get away with it a little bit, but I think especially when you're young like they are, yeah, you've got to have a defense that's going to lead the way for now. Salah, though, with his background, certainly his understanding of defense, again, knowing that that's his specialty, I'm not concerned about them being a bad defensive team. I just think it's more of this is an incomplete roster, as we know. So they have pieces. I mean, Quinnen obviously is a, you know, is a, is a talent. Like, we know that. Let's give it. Mosley, talent. And we haven't seen him for over, you know, a year and a half, two years almost. We haven't seen him. We saw him for literally a half of a football game. Been living and we haven't seen him since. Out. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. You know, like, I, I mean, I'm crushed by the Carl Lawson because I just felt such a Jets thing to happen because you add him to the mix, you know, with Marcus May, with Quinn and Williams, like you start now, all right, you know, this, this could be an interesting defense, but you lose that aspect that this team just never seems to have a guy that's just a, a you know, a pass rush defender, you know, you know, John Abraham. I mean, that, well, like when was the last time they had somebody that could put pressure on a quarterback and Lawson in that motor? He's got it. So now we got to wait a year for him. So not to make not yeah, to make I'm you concerned. feel old. The last time the Jets had an elite pass rusher in John Abraham, I was in fourth grade, fifth grade. Okay, great. And yeah, that's so. awesome. Thanks for sharing. That. Yeah, yeah. Not to make <laughs> you feel old, but not to make you feel old, but is like the if biggest the setup for anybody. Yeah, anybody my age. So you know, you didn't have to continue that. I'm well aware, uh, you know, but I, I go back. See, okay. When I was in fourth grade, uh, no, nope, they didn't have Mark Asno yet. I was probably like, I think I was in like seventh grade when uh, Mark Asno and the, the, the sack exchange, like that was, you know, that, that era I'd where they were those just guys on the 2021 dominant. jets. Oh my God. Of course everybody would that, that crew, but that's another story for another day. But yeah, like I, I, do I do have concerns? I have concerns on both sides of the ball, though. Honestly, I have concerns on both sides of the ball. I don't know what they're going to do to make up the difference. Uh, now, obviously, at at that position, but I want to see can Mosley sort of be that guy like he was a couple of years ago. What we so we got teased for that one half where he was just everywhere, and you know, can he stay healthy? Can he be that dominant player? And then, can they coach up? 
what's going to be a very young group. Can they coach up some guys and, you know, show us. So, you know, I think that's what this year is going to be about both sides of the ball. I, I kind of quick, quick question for you. So obviously, you, you know, you've been a ESPN radio, you do the mixed stuff, you do, you grew up a Jets fan, obviously, as we talked about, you work with a lot of former Jets that have a lot of success here, you know, obviously from a Jets perspective, whether it's Keyshawn, it's Barr, Damian Woody, list goes on like Tannenbaum, all these type of guys. Is there like, is it cool for you as growing up and being like being a Jets fan and then working with these guys? Or is it just like, it's kind of the same as working with any, anybody, other analyst or, you know, radio show partner. And yeah, stuff it's like funny. That. That's, that's one of those things. It's like, I, I, and it's like, I actually covered as a, when I was a reporter at Newsday, I, I did a lot where I, I wasn't officially on the jet beat, but I was kind of unofficially would fill in a lot, um, you know, covering a practice or covering, I covered the draft a couple of times uh, as like an extra person. I covered playoff games. Like uh, again, you were probably in, you know, kindergarten. Doug Bryan misses a field goal, misses two field goals at Pittsburgh uh, in the divisional oh, game. Like they should have, they, they should have won that game. Obviously, they won against the charge. They beat the Chargers the week before in overtime. Yeah, right? and then, yeah, yep. yes, yeah, correct. And and so I'm with Newsday. I'm I'm there in Pittsburgh, and and they, they you know very much. I mean, it was a fantastic game, and they should have won it. And Doug Bryan just couldn't couldn't make a field goal. That's all it was. He just couldn't do it. And I mean, I know the winds were circling there. I know it was you know it's not easy to make a field goal in Pittsburgh because of the win. And I, I don't know. I feel like if I you just, left him out there for 10 field goals, he's making zero. Like it just wasn't going to happen. It, it was just a painful. So I was the, they call like the, the sidebar reporter. Like, so the beat writer, I think was at the time, Ken Berger uh, did, did the main story, Bob Glauber, the longtime columnist there, he does the column and I'm there to sort of fill in the blanks of a story that comes off of the game. So what obvious story off the game would there be, but the kicker. And so they said to me, all right, go talk to both kickers because I can't remember who it was, but the Steelers kicker made the big kick to win the game in overtime. So, so I'm like, I, I got to talk to I you see I gotta tell them like yeah I, I, I just I, and ask this guy like really this is what I gotta do so that was my assignment and you're supposed to as a reporter of course not have any emotional connection to your story but I'm I wasn't born that way so I had a really hard time with that but a long story uh, trying to get to your answer or your question I get I guess so when I covered the team then and I was I think I might have been around Keyshawn's too with Parcells. I went to a couple of Parcells stuff as a. I know. I, I remember when uh, even I, I covered a game when Testaverde was the backup to Glenn Foley before he became the starter in that season that ended up becoming what a magical season it was in '98. So, you know, I I guess it's like I sort of because you cover athletes to work with them, you know, it's like oh, I don't know you. You know what I mean? So it, it, yeah, it, it's sense. not that it gets lost. It's cool. Like, I'm not saying that I'm like, whatever. No, it's awesome. It's, it's more fun to get to know them. Like when you work with them versus when you cover them, because it's a much different relationship. Oh, I can, Covering I can a player, and there's a sort of this boundary that you don't cross. Yeah. You, you, you don't cross a, a certain boundary. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and key, especially because he, he puts this wall up and 
he acts like he hit, you know, like when he, when you were covering him, Key had this attitude that he was testing everybody and he wanted to see what you would put up with. And then you get to know him and you realize, ah, he's like, I, I can say this, any Jet fan, he's one of the best people you'll ever meet. He really is. Like he, he the just likes I, to he's mess He's the reason with. I started playing football. All right. I like that. Yeah. Four years nice. old. I got a Keyshawn Johnson jersey. Wanted to play receiver. Nice. And so, hey, went from there. Yeah. I, I like teasing him a lot too because like like when we just mess around or he's taking a shot at me, I'm always like I'm always like I like Corbett better. Like I love doing that to him. But it's guys like that, another jet that I loved when he played for the Jets and then got to know and work with personally, and I, I, he's one of my favorite people in the world is Willie Cologne. Willie Cologne is one of the toughest people you'll ever meet, but one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet as well. And the fact that he was a New York guy, a Bronx guy, like very proud of it, a huge Yankee fan, the and then played for the right? Jets, a Hofstra guy, right? All the passion he had for the Jets, like it was so cool. And then to work with him was even better. And he would tell me stuff because the first thing I said to him, by the way, Will, is I said, listen, you guys with 10, what were they, 10 and five, you had to win one lousy game to make the playoffs with Todd Bowles. And he was hurt, so he didn't play. I said, you go up to Buffalo, they're playing for nothing. Like, how do you lose that game? And I lost, like, I'm, I'm yelling. I'm like, how do you lose that game? And he's like, I was on the field. I was hurt, so I wasn't playing, but I was there. And I could feel it. He's I just could feel it before the game. I was like, there's a problem. We're not right. We're not right. And then I'm even madder. I'm like, so you knew and you did nothing about it? Like, I flipped out on him. And he gets mad back at me. He's like, I know, I know. Like he was mad too. So those are the fun conversations because that's the stuff when you realize like they're human like us, like they, they care too. Like you think they don't care. No, they care. It bothers them and they're competitive and you know, it's stuff like that, but talk about a game. I'll never forget. I mean, Brandon Marshall, can you just lay out for one, please? Can you lay out and try to catch a touchdown for me in a game? We're trying to make the playoffs. So that's the cool thing of when you ask me, is it, is it cool? Yeah, that's the cool thing. It's being able to ask them about stuff that happened that you know because of a personal relationship that they'll tell you about. And then you're like, all right, so that's what really happened in that moment. I, it's funny enough, I met Willie Colon. The only time I ever met him, I was at a Rangers game right after that. It was like him and Mangold and <laughs> Patrick right after the game. And like, yeah. I was like, don't get mad, literally, respectfully, whatever. And uh, like had a beer with them and, and all that stuff. And I wanted to be like, Fitz, are you kidding me, bro? Like, what is wrong with Ugh. you? And like, then Ugh. 2016 happens and I feel a lot less bad. He's a terrible teammate. And <laughs> then in Miami, he's a bad teammate. And we keep falling yep. for the same thing every year. But whatever, that's my gripe with Fitz, which we'll never get over. Um, Taylor Heineke will be starting for the Redskins before the season's over. I guarantee well, it. I, that'd, be, that'd be pretty exciting. That'd, be, that'd certainly be uh, guarantee. No, it's it's yeah. the it's the it's the fifth cycle, um, unfortunately. Yep. But one day, one more Jets question, then we'll get to quickly. Just yeah. want to hit on one or two uh, one or two NBA things because I know a lot of people listen to podcasts with big NBA guys. Um, from a Jets perspective, do you have a favorite team growing up? Is there one team that sticks out? You're like, this was the most enjoyable season. I know most people always refer to '98 um, or 2010 as those seasons. Is there any other ones that stick out, or are those yeah, kind of? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the. You know, the, the, the teams in the 80s, I mean, the 86 team that was 10 and 1, I mean, they and the Giants, they looked like they were on a collision course for the Super Bowl. I mean, that was a great team. 
put up huge numbers. They had a lot of injuries that, that really slowed them down. But that's, I mean, Kenny O'Brien was just pro people forget how prolific he was as a quarterback. Um, you know, but then obviously all the injuries happened to them that year. And then, you know, of course, Gastineau and the and roughing the passer. And then that, that's the end of that. Um, and then the Giants going to win the Super Bowl, which makes it worse. But, you know, that was – I was still kind of young. So, for me, I was just enjoying, like, you know, watching them. Just – I liked – I was enjoying it. But I guess 98, I covered them, but I was really a diehard fan. Like, I – you know, I was the guy that when Madden came out, I would just play the Jets, and I would want to beat everybody with the Jets. Like, I felt like, you know, I don't care how, how bad they were in some of those Madden games in the mid-90s. You know, Kotite's team was terrible. Um, but once they – you know, once they started winning that year and, and with Vinny, Long Island guy, uh, you know, Krebet was a great story. Everybody loved him, Hofstra guy. And then, you know, Keyshawn, that's the number one pick. It was just a lot of cool things about that group. And then, you know, Bill bringing back some of his ex-Giants, bringing them over, Brian Cox. Like, it was it – was, that was a cool team. Like, I liked that team. And I thought they had a shot. And I thought they had a shot at, you know, winning in Denver. They should have – Part of me just will not let go of the fact that they should have won that game. They should have won that game. And they did. I'm still yeah, upset about it. I'm still upset about it. That was my first year I ever got to go to training camp. I was, I guess I was four, going to be five years old. And I remember meeting all those guys. I got to eat yeah. lunch with Curtis Martin. And it was like, I was the only person there because this is pre 9-11. So it was like, there's not really, any, there's no security. And yeah. there's some, whatever, some family stuff. I was able to go. And it's like, that team is literally just like, that like 98 through 2004 those teams like i felt such a connection to and every year i was like they're gonna win the super bowl like i really genuinely felt like that because yeah. of how well yeah, they were... built it and it sucks <laughs> yeah no they had a standard they had everything i mean obviously the the belichick thing really you didn't know it at the time that was the thing when belichick you know resigned you didn't know like you just thought all right whatever like you didn't you didn't really know because yeah, like, he wasn't good in cleveland <laughs> No, like, like it wasn't like you're going, oh, my God, the greatest court, the greatest coach in history just said no. Like, you didn't know that now. You didn't know that then. You know it now. So, yeah, that, like that, but that 98 team, because, you know, I was still young. I was new, you know, or still early in my, my media career. I was just, you know, just out of college. So I was still kind of enthusiastic. I, I like that group. They changed the logo, too. So they, like, the logo, they went back to the old school logo. So there was so many, so many cool things about that. That I like that. And then, yeah, I mean, Bart's teams, Rex's teams, you know, that's now much later for me. Um, I was older, so I just enjoyed that they were back. And, you know, did I feel like they could win a Super Bowl? No. But beating the Patriots in Foxborough and the can't wait game, you know, it's one of the coolest things to watch and be just so fired up about. And once again, another year where they and the Giants were kind of like right there. And the Giants go on to win the Super Bowl, you know, which is drives you crazy. But you know, that's that 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 era was cool. But I'll, I'll if you're going to ask me to pick one, '98 to me was like the special one. I really really got into that team and really enjoyed it. And then the fact that I was occasionally sent to cover a practice or cover a game that season just added to how cool it was to kind of be around it all. Yeah, no. Let's let's hope those those kind of days are. Uh 
you know, days are coming and, and, uh, you know, two, two NBA questions, one more Nick specific. I yep. got asked a bunch of people, how do you think this point guard rotation kind of plays out? Obviously Kemba is the local guy, but Kemba's had right. his own issues, which I have huge question marks about the knees and how much he really rehabbed during COVID. It's a whole nother discussion, but how much, how do you see that point guard, you know, rotation playing out? And then, you know, follow from that, I guess we'll finish with this of how exciting of a season for New York city basketball is it going to be that the Knicks not only are up and coming, but they kind of arrived last year. And the Nets obviously are very much, you know, title contenders, if not favorites, like how excited are you just to watch this season play out of, you know, full regular, full crowds, full regular season kind of, you know, go after the point guard stuff. Yeah. Well, all right. So, the point guard thing to me, it's a way better fit this year than it was last year, because this year you have two players who can't play a ton of minutes, but play the same way, or at least a similar way. So when you go from Kemba to, to Derek Rose, you kind of, it's kind of the same, you know, like it's a, it's a point guards that can break you down a uh, lot of pick and roll and our score scoring type point guards. So it's not like you go from Alfred Payton who, who can't make a layup, you know, to then Derek Rose who's out there and all of a sudden it's a much different dynamic. You can just stay the same and both guys, you're not saying, well, all right, we need scoring from the point guard position. We got to play Derek 38 minutes tonight, which means tomorrow he's not going to play. Now you can, because you just one plays, you know, like you can balance the minutes or you let one rock one night and you cut back the other guy's minutes. And then the next night you flip it. So I think that's why it's it it could work. But am I hesitant? Of course I'm hesitant. Because the last time I saw Kemba Walker, he just couldn't stay healthy. You know, he gets to Boston, and it's just one thing after another. Now, Kemba's a guy that used to play 78, 82 games a season. Like, he, it took a lot to get him out of the lineup. He played hurt a lot of times in Charlotte. So am I worried that it's caught up to him, and now he's really never going to be healthy? I am. But the same was said about Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose all of a sudden has become a guy that had to change his body, change his game, and is still a guy that can carry 28, 29. He was the Knicks' best player in the playoffs. He was their best player. He was the one guy in that series that the I think the Hawks were afraid of the most because he, you know, he was legit, whereas Julius, it was his first experience. You could tell it was overwhelming to him. So I think Kemba has that kind of cachet as well. And that's going to help them. And it's to make sure as possible so that you can really, it's going to be platoon, but because they're so similar in, in style, I think it can work. Now, as far as overall, as far as New York City goes, you asked, like basketball in New York City. I think what we saw last spring, when the, when the Knicks won game two, and you know, we laugh, but it does say a lot. They won a they won a game in the first round. And I was across the street because our studios at MSG are across the street, across Seventh Avenue from the garden. So we have windows that look out onto Seventh Avenue. So we're doing the postgame show after they win. And I'm looking because you can see from where I sat, you could see the the entrance to the garden. And I was watching and I'm just watching people coming out of the building as we're talking about the game, we're doing the post game and I'm looking, I'm saying to myself, like no one, usually they just kind of file into the, into Penn station. Other people go left, right. I'm like, people are gathering outside the garden right now. And then it became, okay, they're stopping traffic on seventh Avenue. 
Now they're all in front of our window too. And we go to break and I go out, to, I go to the window to look. It's a sea of people. It's as if the entire building emptied onto 7th Avenue. And now people are hanging from streetlights and street signs. Traffic can't get through. And it's wall to wall from one sidewalk to another of people celebrating one first round playoff win. That's it. And it's the only one you got. So it's a good thing they got the celebration in when they could. So just think about that, Will. Think about the, Think about it this way. That's how excited they got about one first-round win. Now, the Nets could have carried a lot of that momentum, but the problem with that is once Kyrie got hurt, that, that, you know, that injury that was kind of gruesome, and then you saw that you know, James Harden just wasn't James Harden. You know, it's like it just stalled so fast. I mean, KD won that series. His toe was on the line, but he won that series. That shot was incredible. He won I, that series. I, I never the want to. Bucks, I never want to hear. I know Knicks fans hate this, but like, you know, it can be the fair weather stuff. But like, Barclays was for every even Nick people I know that went to you know went to the game game seven. Like, Barclays was allowed. Like it, that building. I know oh, it's no not going to be the Garden, but it, it's it's there's real there is there is Nets fans. I just think people <laughs> that are. Well, I, I get I, it. I'll, I get it. I'll say this though: is is there are of course there's Nets fans, but I, I and this is in all due respect. There's also people that just love basketball that aren't necessarily passionate. Like they're like Knicks fans are just rabid, passionate, lunatic fans. Like it's because it's been here for so long. But there's also people that just love watching good basketball. And I'm sorry, Kevin Durant is good basketball. I mean, if I wasn't going to get, you know, thrown out of the building, I'd be there watching him. I love watching him play. (laughs) So like I would, if, you know, like Jay, Jay Williams was like, you come sit with me front row. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know, like I don't need get, to be subject to get that. booed next time. I, next yeah, time I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't need that kind of attention, right? So, but I, I love watching them play. So when I really thought that, like, okay, so the Knicks kind of set the tone, and they let the Nets carry this now and see how far they can go. And it just—that's why when I watched that replay and they kept showing his toe, I'm like, oh my god, they're going to call this. A, they're not going. It's not a three. It's not a three. They're going to go to overtime. Like, oh my god, like he won that series for them. It's a lousy just toe that cost them. So let's just, again, now flash forward to what we've got coming up. Are the Knicks a championship contender? Of course they're not. They're not. Are are they a playoff team? Yes, they are. They should be a top six team. They're not going to finish fourth, but they should finish top six. They should be a team that, you know, once again, first round, can they, can they, you know, get a favorable matchup? Maybe they can get out of it, but if not, they're a playoff team. And I know that's not a, you know, some some fans like to, you know, mock it and say, like, oh, oh great, now you're celebrating a team that's basically a one and done. Hey, for seven years, they were a none and done. Yeah, so they even I'll take to the be... one and done. Yeah. Right. I don't and it's still a young team. It's still a very young team. So I'm I'm good. But the Nets are a legit championship contender, and Lakers-Nets is a star-studded finals that I think the whole league would sign up for. Yeah, we got Rob so that, prime Kobe versus LeBron, and we got one yep. LeBron, Katie, but Katie was such a kid that, like, that series was a wrap after they don't call the foul in game two and whatever. I would love yeah. nothing more than to get – although I think Russ, by the way, is a terrible – I don't. I would have much rather the Buddy Heel trade if I was a Lakers fan because there's not, they don't have enough shooting. And Russ is a good regular yeah, season that, guy, but that's a weird fit. But yeah, whatever. you're going to get that. 
yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get that issue with them. Is the shooting is gonna be the biggest question about the Lakers? But you never, I never doubt LeBron. So if you can get that finals, everybody signs up for it. Now I'm just curious to see, and I war- I was warning the Knicks about this once that happened. Once 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 Durant, like once I got wind that, that and, and I am on record for it. People can look up the archives. I am on record for it when Stephen A. was saying ninety percent, ninety five percent KD and going to the Knicks. I kept saying no, no, no. I am not hearing that, and I, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not believing it. It's not what I've – I don't see it. And I said, you got to watch. If he goes to the Nets, you're going to lose a whole generation of fans. And if they win a championship and you still suck, you're going to lose a whole generation of fans. I mean, that's how the Mets got a big fan base. People love the National League, yes. But you remember, as the Mets got good in the late 60s, the Yankees were terrible. Like, that run was over. And they were bad for a number of years before Steinbrenner bought them. And in that time, the Mets went, won a World Series and went to another one. You know, so, so just keep that in mind. That's how you do it. And, you know, you could say the same thing about the Jets. The Giants were awful in the 70s, embarrassingly bad in the 70s. The, the Jets had Joe Namath and they won a Super Bowl. And that's how you build a fan base from nothing. So you got to watch it. And that's what I want to see. The Knicks are at least they've got a competitive team. You won't lose fans, but that next generation, it, that's up for grabs right now. And yeah, that's watch, what people you know, almost the, watch a lot of their basketball, especially people watch players almost these days more than I agree than their teams unless they're big money market teams. But uh, I agree. It, that's a yeah, you, you don't have that same brand loyalty that you used to. It's it's that's more now inherited than it is you know just some kid just as like 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 and I, I i'll give you a quick story so i'm a big hockey fan I, I love hockey and my parents who are city people they are ranger fans and my parents were ranger fans and I, they have a picture of me and wearing ranger pajamas when i'm whatever five three four five years old so it's 1979 i'm six years old and uh, we're watching the final we're watching the uh uh the playoffs and it's Islanders Rangers. And we live on Long Island at the time because I was born in Long Island. And the, the Islanders lose and I'm seeing the Rangers celebrate. And I, I just see, you know, pick this an amazing shot of Dennis Potvin looking just completely like just sunk, like emotionally drained, sunk. And I looked at my parents and they're, they're celebrating. And I look and I go, wait, why, why are we rooting? Why are you rooting for the team for that team? We're from Long Island. We should be rooting for that team. And they like, no, 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 no. The Rangers that, you know, we're, we're, we're from this. That's the team in New York city. That's our team. And I'm like, well, no, I'm from Long Island. That's my team. And that's how I was just, they lost, but I said, no, no, that's my team. And from that day forward, I just said, the Islanders are my team. And then they won the next four Stanley cups. So things worked out pretty well. But, you know, that, that I don't know if people I don't know if, uh, you know, people like, again, six year olds look that way the way I did. I didn't look at it as, wow, Dennis Potvin's a great defenseman or Mike Bossy's a great scorer. I love that team. I would just was like, where are they from? Yeah, that's where I'm from. So that's my team. I don't think people are regional anymore about fandom, except in the NFL. Yeah. I just it's 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 very much a different generation and. I think there's certain fan bases that you get that are always the fan bases that are the loudest. And, you know, you can, you know, those are the home field advantage teams and like, that's, what's really cool yep. about it, but it's, yep. you definitely get a lot of, 
you know, Warriors fans have always been loud, but obviously they get louder when they're a dynasty or, you know, whatever, yep. you know, you can pick any team. Heat fans are, you know, Florida sports fans are feeble in terms of that sense. But, you know, it, yeah. it's all, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, the Islanders are obviously this, this year was really cool that run. I don't love hockey. It's the one sport I'm not, <laughs> it's not my thing. I'm a soccer guy, but you know, that's their, well, you had to that's love this, Damian Woody. Damian Woody and I were at Game Six of the of the Conference Finals together, and we sat in the same section. And then when when uh, they scored to win in overtime to force the Game Seven, I ran down to him, and he's jumping around. He wipes out. And the Jets, Zach Wilson, actually, that's where I met him. Zach was at one of the games prior in the playoffs, and he went with a bunch of offensive linemen. That dude Feeney is a maniac. And I wish you know, he was like, as good at like, drinking as he was playing football, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, I, I wondered if he'd be as good at blocking as he was at you know smashing a, a beer beer can on his head. But that's all right. It's just the point is that, that I also love that the synergy between teams and stuff. I think that stuff's cool. Like seeing Justin Tuck, you know, sitting at at Nick games is always cool. You know, uh, I love that stuff. CC Sabathia coming to Nick games like that stuff's awesome. But yeah, I mean, at least there's a connection with the Jets and the Islanders, so. That's yeah. That's no, two things that I have. Yeah, no, that just thing was really cool, and that kind of even like just people getting it. Um, I, I'm just like a big. I believe in like the intangible stuff of like who you are. Yep. Yeah, it just you ingratiate yourself. I mean, that's well, like, you know, Salo's first thing in press conference starts talking about his brother being a 9/11, and that made him wanting to go back and coaching. And like, if you're a New Yorker with any type of soul like that, you were like, all right, like this guy gets it. Like he came in. Right. Talked about his family, 9-11, loving the city, wanting to build the culture. Like, I don't know how else you're supposed to ingratiate yourself other than, you know, obviously you got to win here right. to be uh, yeah. be renowned. And, you know, if you're Javi Baez and you boo the fans because you suck, then that's your own problem. Um, but that's yeah, – well, we don't have to go down that route. That's just not this. reading – yeah. That's not reading, reading the room at all. Yeah, that is – that was one of the weirder comments, Rich Eisen. If you guys haven't seen it, Rich Eisen has a pretty funny rant about it, and it's uh, very enjoyable. But – Obviously, a lot of exciting stuff, you know, Wilson and the Jets that we got, you know, basketball will be coming back eventually. There's a, there's a lot going on, but we obviously really appreciate you, you know, taking the time and, um, you know, hopefully we'll be, you'll have some good stuff to talk about, some good, you know, good moments during the season to uh, talk about. Make sure, obviously, if you guys aren't following out on socials, make sure to do that. And, you know, ESPN Radio, Nick Supreme Post, the whole nine yards. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely catch Barton on every day. We're on in New York. We do talk a lot of Jets. Some people in like, you know, Fort Myers, Florida don't like it, but that's too bad. That's where we're at. So, yeah, yeah you can catch us on ESPN Radio. That's uh, it's unfortunately the way it rolls. The Jets uh, Jets, Jets get clicks, so you got to, and you know, you got to do it. But now we appreciate the time, and, uh, you know, we'll yep. talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Take care.